Hey, welcome back to Learning Disability Association of Wisconsin, episode number six of Bites of Learning. Today, we're going to be talking about setting the stage to read. We have all probably faced the reality when a student hates or says that they hate reading. Well, perhaps going forward, we can prevent or at least lessen some of the feeling of frustration when a task is just so hard. Molly Schiffler, a retired professor, and Linda Knack, our very own LDA board members, are here with us today to share some of their ideas on how to set the stage that may help children learn to read and enjoy reading. Stay with us as we continue Episode 6. Welcome back, ladies. So happy to have such great experience. Both of you have a great wealth of information to share with our listeners who may have some issues with getting their own children to read. So welcome, Molly and Linda. Oh, Amy and Molly, it is so good to collaborate on this very, very cold Wisconsin day on a topic that emotionally can be difficult for students and their parents. Yeah, I think that the question parents have at home is, how can I get my child to get interested in reading so that they love and enjoy reading? Um, as a mother myself, I had bookshelves of book, kids' books. Uh, the job I loved most about being a parent was the story time just before bed. My son, who has a hearing impairment and a learning disability, was much more of a challenge to get him to read. My daughter, on the other hand, always had a book in her hand. So why is that? You know, Amy, there are so many factors in answering that question. You know, to begin with the early years, and this certainly does not apply to your situation because you obviously were reading a ton to your children, um, but research repeatedly tells us that two key indicators of future reading success are the numbers of books in the home and how much children are read to. And this applies whether learning to read comes easily or whether it's a serious uh, challenge for a child. Yeah, it has to do with our oral language development. All children are listening to the speech sounds heard in their native language. It is these sounds that later translate into letters, words, and stories. The first three years build a foundation of vocabulary at one, a child may be pointing to pictures and murmuring. At two, their speech is easier to understand and they might respond to a question about a story. At age three, they may already be anticipating the rhyme pattern that they hear in a story. Oh, yes, Linda, that really makes sense to me because my son's hearing impairment, he didn't hear all the speech sounds. So it was a challenge for him. And we did focus a lot on rhyming books. That's super, Amy. And that's why poetry and nursery rhymes offer those rich rhyming and rhythm patterns that truly are foundational to later phonological awareness and developing reading skills. So we encourage families to start early to build in that routine of reading to children, to join story time activities at their libraries, look for books that represent children with diverse cultures. An excellent example of that is The Neighborhood Mother Goose by Nina Cruz. Um, my my kids in uh, in Milwaukee have loved this book. All the illustrations are filmed in urban settings and with a rich racial blend of children. So Molly, do you have other suggestions for reading aloud to children? Well, you know, even when a child begins to read independently, adults should still be doing about half of the bedtime reading. Once children move into the late preschool years, 
studies suggest that the books families read actually should be about four grade levels above a child's grade placement. So and that can extend all the way into adulthood. Um, the Tales of Arabian Nights that I was still reading to my kids in high school is still sitting in our kitchen table. So what you're saying is that allows the child or the student to hear books of interest that is way beyond that we can comfortably read themselves. So in this way, children deepen their listening comprehension as they are exposed to extensive oral vocabulary. They also hear those language patterns that they will be reading themselves in upcoming years. Absolutely. And that's especially important for children with reading disabilities who may be more dependent on drawing from that rich listening vocabulary to help when they're figuring out words and also on exposure to advanced sentence structures that will facilitate their comprehension. Um, adult readers also will want to stop and interact with younger readers on the characters, the events, and the story as they read along, and whenever possible, make connections to familiar experiences, books, and even individuals. But perhaps most importantly, reading aloud to others at any age can build a lasting association of memorable shared experiences that truly shape our lives. Okay. At some point, though, children are supposed to read by themselves. So how can I find a book that is the right fit for a young reader? Well, when we start to think about choosing books for young people, of course, we start with that young person's interest and their reading level. But thinking about interests, um, we would ask questions like, um, does a student like fiction or nonfiction? What does a student enjoy doing in free time? What does a student ask questions about and express interest in? And we also look hard at the quality of books that we choose for children. We'll have more on that in a minute. Students have three levels of reading that influence our purpose for choosing particular books. There's an independent level where they can read with almost no help, those like library books, books they bring home from school. An instructional level, and that's usually about the best level for classroom books or books that they read with an adult or a partner. And then there's frustration level books, and those really should be read out loud to a student. Books at all levels have a vital role to play in reading development. There's not a right or a wrong here. Um, but it's especially important that children with reading disabilities have access to books that are not at their frustration level and many, many opportunities to read independently. So I've seen teachers use what they call a five-finger rule to help students decide if a book is a good fit. So obviously these are kids who are like in school already. So students read a page, possibly from a chapter book, that they have selected. As they read, they hold up one finger every time they're not sure of a word. If at the end of that page they have two or three fingers up, the book is probably okay and a good fit. If they get to by fingers, it may not be enjoyable for them to read by themselves. Perhaps to listen to a recording of or have um, read to them would be more appropriate. But that five finger rule gives the students a starting point and it's especially helpful for their input. What else are you seeing in school settings, Linda? Well, much emphasis has been placed on research-based instruction. It is probable that the trained teachers are applying a code-based approach that will help students learn. This means that emphasis is placed on phonics, the sounds and letters seen that make those sounds. You might hear it as decoding. 
This approach has merit because about 50% of the words in English are spelled accurately, and another 36% are accurate except for one speech sound, which is usually the vowel. You'll hear your students say the sound for a letter or a group of letters, and then they'll blend those sounds together to read a word. Understanding what was read is still important and the ultimate goal of reading, but a student has to read the words before they get meaning from them. Once a reader can read a book, it doesn't matter how easy we may think it is, they may want to read it again and again. That is absolutely fine. Repeated reading will only build their confidence and their fluency. Okay, ladies, can you give me some examples of perhaps some books or authors that can meet these best book criteria? Good question, Amy. And here we're thinking about books that have abundant vocabulary, rich language, and are particularly strong choices. Um, we've divided them into age levels here. So I'll start with the youngest readers. Um, these would be children in the preschool years from about grade two or about age seven. Um, this year's parent magazine, Best Children's Books, included Count to Love by Andrea Pinckney, illustrated by Brian Pinckney. And the verse kind of goes along the line of count to love on fingers and toes, one, two, three, four, touch your nose. And, and I just would add as a comment here, any book by Jerry or Brian Pinckney has unforgettable illustrations. And their books often have traditional characters who are like Little Red Riding Hood, who are often portrayed as people of color. Sadly, Jerry Pinckney just passed away, but he left a, a, an incredible legacy of illustrations. Five Caldecott Honor Books, and also a Caldecott Winner, which was The Lion and the Mouse. I won't list all the honor books, but I will say that his, his version of The Ugly Duckling has illustrations that I would love to use to illustrate my living room. Um, also, in this young category, we've got um, a 2021 book that builds language understanding, and it's Comparatives by Janet Cope. And comparatives is spelled with the word parrot right in the middle of it. It demonstrates how adding ER endings changes meanings like silly to sillier and has great textured illustrations. Nursery tales like The Three Billy Goats Gruff or The Little Red Hen set reference points for cultural background and for just the language, the flow of literature. Uh, my grandsons like the pa Paul Galdon folktale sets. Another book for the young, um, but toward the, the older end of this age range is I Talk Like a River by Jordan Scott. It was a 2020 ALA notable book and the main character is developing an understanding of his own stuttering speech pattern, comparing it to a river. And then our beloved Madison author, Kevin Hankus, who Linda mentioned in our last pop, uh, podcast, had a new book for 2021 called A House with Interactive Questions. His books for the very young are similar to those beloved books like Goodnight Moon by Mary Margaret Wise Brown. And two of the books in that style are Kitten's First Full Moon and Waiting. And they are two, again, of his many, many award winners. Speaking of award winners, Linda? So on January 24th, 2022, the ALA, which is the American Library Association, announced their top books. 
The most distinguished American picture book that received the Caldecott Medal was Watercress by Andrea Wang. And it's about getting closer to one's Chinese roots. Also honored were Have You Ever Seen a Flower? written and illustrated by Sean Harris that explores the relationship between children and nature. A book called Mel Fell, written and illustrated by Corey R. Tabor, is a tale that of self-confidence. And then there's the book called Wonder Walkers, written and illustrated by Micah Archer, has questions and opens to the wonders of nature. Um, I'd also like to highlight um, a book that was won the Schneider Family Book Award for books that embody an artistic expression of the disability experience. And that book is called A Walk in the Words. It was written and illustrated by Hudson Talbot. The author himself struggled to read and kept his slow reading a secret. He later accepted that he had to do things his way. This book may touch the heart of many that read it. Again, it's called A Walk in the Words. So and, uh, older kids there, Molly? Yes. Um, <laughs> and I would also add, um, you have to understand that people like Linda and I get extremely excited about these youth media awards. It's kind of like the Grammys and the Oscars are to normal people. Um, if, if to look at the full list, you can go to the ala.org website or the New York Public Library site has brief descriptions of the books, and that's nypl.org. The diversity in the number of organizations that grant these awards is, is rich and wonderful. Um, to add to the Schneider Awards, um, there was a book that was in this young age range that we were discussing called My City Speaks by Darren LaBeouf. And, it's about a visually impaired little girl walking through her own city. And it's, it's done in, in, again, in that rich language. And it's just any child reading that book is going to have their experience of walking through a city enhanced. And then another book, although not particularly rich language, but, but uh, certainly worth mentioning in this category was the winner of the Theodore Seuss Geisel Beginning Book Award. And that was Fox at Night by Corey Tabor. Okay, moving on to our middle grade readers. This would be grades three through five, ages eight through 10. Um, El Defo is a graphic novel about a girl who's deaf and she visualizes herself as a superhero named El Defo. The author, Cece Bell, is also deaf and she writes from a very authentic perspective. Another book that was the Caldecott winner in 2020 is We Are the Water Protectors. It's by Carol Lindstrom, and it's about an indigenous girl who explains why water is sacred and the danger of the black snakes or pipelines. Another book um, in this category is The Oldest Student, How Mary Walker Learned to Read at 116. A spoiler, she learns she lives to be 121, so she uses that reading skill. The book is by Rita Lorraine Hubbard. And Mary Walker was actually born into slavery in 1848, always wanted to learn to read and, and achieve that at 116. Another um, world perspective book at this age in this age range is The Cat Man of Aleppo by Irene Lathan and Kareem Shamsi Bashar. This 2021 Caldecott Honor Book relays the true story from Syria of Muhammad Allah Ajaliya, who cared for deserted cats 
in his worn, torn city of Aleppo. And then last podcast, we also mentioned the Percy Jackson books by Rick Riordan, um, are very popular in this age range. It's about a boy who was both ADHD and a learning disability, who is part Greek god, which explains these particular attributes. And a particular book, Linda and I had chosen the, the Caldecott winner from this category, Watercress. Um, and, I, and I felt like it particularly fits in with this middle uh, reader category because the topic is so very serious about famine in countries. But it, it won awards in all kinds of categories. And um, I, I think a lot of it is that the gentle, sensitive nature of the illustrations is just beautifully matched with a very poignant text. Um, and the book is, as Linda mentioned, is illustrated by Jason Chin, the author is Andrew Wang. And then finally, for older readers, in grades six through eight, ages 11 to 14, um, a few favorites here, um, Before the Ever After by Jacqueline Woodson is about community support for a 12-year-old boy whose famous football-playing father is beginning to demonstrate signs of CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And it's written in verse, which is often a lot more inviting to students with reading disabilities than page after page of very solid text. Um, some other books that are written in that kind of abbreviated text format are Crossover by Kuan Alexander, which was a Newberry and Coretta Scott King winner, Monster by Walter Dean Meyer, which is written like a play script, and then Love That Dog by Sharon Creech. Um, one other book in that, in that category is Gone to the Woods, Surviving a Lost Childhood. And it's by Gary Paulson, the, the beloved author of the Hatchet series. It's one of the very, his very final books, and it's about his own growing up, which in fact included struggles learning to read. I would add one more book to this category. It was one that both Linda and I were just blown away from in the um, awards that were given out yesterday. This was a 20, 2022 Coretta Scott King Young Adult winner. Um, but it was also in, in several categories. The name of the book is Unspeakable, the Tulsa Race Massacre. It's by Carol Boston Weatherford, and the illustrations are by the incomparable Floyd Cooper. Um, it's a very, very painful topic, um, but, but the, the beautiful, almost poetic language and powerful illustrations um, make it a, a not miss book. Many of these books are on YouTube with someone just, just reading the book. And, and the book that Molly just mentioned, um, it, it's interesting because the, the story itself was suppressed for 75 years. It actually happened in 1921. Um, but I, I like that it, it calls for better future. So there's always that, that hope in there. Um, the the final book that I want to add to that category um, is a um, is the John Newberry Medal for the most outstanding contribution to children's literature. Now I did have to print, you know, check the pronunciation with one of our Spanish interpreters, so I believe I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's called The Last Puntista. Um, and it's a story about a girl named Petra and her world is ending. Um, and she alone 
um, knows the stories of the past. Um, but it, an absolutely um, beautiful um, book. And, and I'm in an environment that we have a lot of um, different cultures. And so that book would definitely um, touch hearts of many. So to summarize um, the books that we've just talked about, these award-winning books um, have, have in common the, the abundant vocabulary, the rich language that makes great books that really build children's, prepare children well for their literary future. And to summarize, books that make a difference in children's future success, whether they're read by an adult or independently, should offer these three well-researched benefits. So first, build a child's listening and speaking vocabulary. Even though those first three years are critical to build that vocabulary, the comforting reality is that we continue to build vocabulary throughout our lives. Absolutely. And children will recognize a print word eight times more quickly if it's in their oral vocabulary. And even further, after second grade, a student's level of oral vocabulary is a stronger predictor of reading comprehension than even their ability to recognize words. Second point, help the student develop rich world background and wide background knowledge. And third, let students become familiar with rich language patterns that they will encounter as they move up through school. And perhaps most importantly, invite students to discover the infinite wonder and joy of books. Well, you two ladies have so much great information. I wish my kids were young again so that I could, you know, read these books with them once again, you know, and it's a time that as they have grown old, it's a time that I miss definitely um, with my kids. Ladies, Molly, Linda, thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. Uh, the takeaways from today's episode is first, reading to a child does set the stage for reading. Second, it is important for parents to be involved in the literacy of their child's school years. Thank you so much, ladies. And for the listeners, thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you back on our next episode, number seven. For more information or to join LDA Wisconsin, go to ldaamerica.org. And remember, it takes a group effort to have a voice loud enough to make a difference. Looking forward to the next Bites for Learning podcast by the Learning Disabilities Association of Wisconsin. Until next time, get involved, stay involved.